Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Right here on 830 WCCO. Good morning. And welcome to our 12. It's now Julie Weisenhor (laughs) is with us. 12. It's now 12 below. We just dropped another one. This is kind of the morning, as you know, uh, this time of day when the the temps do drop. Believe it or not. Like it or not. And that is uh, minus 12 now. And we're still going to talk lawns and gardens. Oh, Mat- matters thank not the temperature. Thank goodness. But if you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. Uh, Julie, as I said, is with the University of Minnesota Extension, helping us out a lot these Saturday mornings, helping you out. Yeah. And if you do have any kind of a lawn or garden question, um, and yes, even a creeping Charlie question, <laughs> we usually get one of those a week. By all means, call us or text us. 651-989-9226. We have cleared the lines. All set for your lawn or garden questions. Wide open. 651-989-9226. If you'd rather, uh, send Julie a text, 81807, 81807. What are gardeners doing when it's 12 below (laughs) zero in this time of year? Well, they're taking care of their house plants, of course. You know, that's an important thing to do and to keep keep scouting your house plants to make sure that they're doing fine and you don't have any little pests in there and... And uh, and then they're also thinking about the spring. They're looking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm starting to get catalogs oh, yeah. that work in here at, at home, and and uh, and so they're starting to plan about what to do for this coming spring. So we're doing classes, getting ready for classes. The Master Gardener Core Course started yesterday, and we're all involved with that. So uh, yeah, we're off and running. Now, what's going on at the Arboretum? There's always something going on. Always right? something at the Arboretum. And February, they are starting a. Um, I'm not sure of the exact name. But it's a uh, an exhibit for the month around fragrance. So mm. wherever you go, they're going to have exhibits and displays of plants that have some kind of fragrance, mm. whether they're herbs or flowers. And so uh, I was talking to Ricky Garza, who's the one of the gardeners out there. He manages the conservatory, amongst other things. And he was explaining that they're going to have he's been starting all sorts of plants, bulbs and herbs and all sorts of really fragrant plants, and they're going to be switching out these displays uh, throughout the month of February. So it's going to be a great time to be out there. It's going to smell awesome everywhere yeah. you go. So, All right. That's and Again, for those that are not familiar, it's if you head out west on Highway 5 right. to 41, you'll kind of see the big sign there. Yes, yes. Uh, right and it's just beyond that uh, that intersection. And it's just a great resource, just like the the thing you guys have in your website. Oh, the extension site. The extension yeah. site yeah, is the phenomenal. Page. Yeah, 8.4 million hits last year. Now, our other, Visits. and I know you you must check them out, the Florida and California, these other uh, universities, uh, do they have as good a site? There's a lot of great there extension are. sites. Yeah, University of Florida is one of my favorite for tropical plants. Uh, they just do a great job. And Ed, uh, Ed, Gil- Let's see, Ed Gilman... Ed Gilman is one of the professors there, and he does a great job on pruning as well. So hmm. he's got really good stuff on the web as well. So, so lots there's of a lot of great resources through extension overall. 
Our resource is Julie today at uh, 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807. I, f- I forgot to mention when you walked in, uh, where the abiders playing. Hey, yeah, we've got a gig. <laughs> We're back shocked. in action. I know. It's been a busy year. It has been. <laughs> Lots of things going on. Uh, we will be uh, out at uh, Billy's in Rockford on Highway 55, uh, January 27th. Coming up. Coming up. Yep. Right, It'll we'll... be the whole me and the boys, All the right. whole gang. All right. We'll, uh, we'll remind folks of that as we get closer to that the date. Uh, text messages are coming in, Julie, 651 989 uh, here's one. Um, is it too late or too cold to spray wilt-proof on my evergreens? Yes. Yeah. It'll probably freeze it'll before probably it gets freeze there. Before it hits the plate. Yeah, yeah. So it's too late. No, don't be spraying anything right now. No. All right. Nope. Very good. All right. Another text. How do I keep my coleus alive in the house this winter? Well, you have to treat it like house plant, so it needs a, a bright window. That's one of the limiting factors of our homes in Minnesota is our light. And so if you're lucky enough to have a southern or easterly exposed window, that's awesome. Uh, so keep it, keep it watered and, uh, you know, feel the soil before you water. That's another thing that we do, too, is we tend to, uh, we tend to overwater our plants. We give them too much love, and we want to feel that soil first before we uh, go to water it. Um, don't water on a schedule. Don't think you know, every Saturday morning you're going to water while you're listening to Smart Gardens. Feel your plants first and then water them. Oh, that makes sense. Make sure they drain well, too. Here's our phone number. Call us, 651-989-9226. There's one line open. Send Julie a text if you like, 81807. Somebody wants to know when when's, when are the abiders going to, <laughs> to head over the St. Paul side of the Twin Cities? I know, I know. We actually were uh, out at the Minnesota Music Cafe for a benefit back a couple months ago. So. Uh-huh. So you do get there We do get there once in a while. Right. Right. Uh, let's this- see. 81807 is the text. Do we wait until spring for grooming our shrubs and thorny bushes because we can see some growth to avoid, why not do it when they are dormant? Well, some of the plants you can do when it's dormant. Um, certainly our trees. Uh, the problem with uh, pruning shrubs is that sometimes uh, if you prune them too late in the season, say if you get pruning around October, and if you listen to Teresa, she is absolutely like, stop pruning, stop pruning, because it can prompt growth. Now, right now, it's not going to. The tree is dormant. And you could go out there and do some pruning, but why not wait until spring when it's warmer? You're not, it's not going to make much of a difference. Yeah, very good. Let's go back to the phones, uh, Julie. Yvonne is calling from West St. Paul with a question. Yvonne, you're on with Julie. Hi. You Morning. are great. Thank you so much. Thank you. I have a question about a peace lily. You probably had a lot of those. Um, The tips of the leaves uh, turn brown and dry. Is that watering? Is it light? Uh, Are you watering with your tap water? Yes. Okay, that's the problem. Really? Uh, Yep, because peace lilies have uh, a sensitivity to fluoride. Oh. So, and because we have treated city water, I'm assuming that's what you're watering with, uh, you want to water that plant with... You can buy a bottle of distilled water at the grocery store or go and fill a water jug at the reverse osmosis, you know, where you put in the jug and press the water dispenser. That's called RO water, reverse osmosis. It has absolutely nothing in it. So you're going to want to add uh, an all-purpose household or houseplant fertilizer at about half strength every time you water when it's actively growing. Well, thank you very much. All right, Yvonne, thank you for the call. Appreciate that. Common issue. 
And Yvonne leaves that line open, 651-989-9226. I want to mention our good friends at By the Yard, who make, in my opinion, not just mine, but uh, make the best patio furniture in the whole world. And we're so grateful to have them as uh, the sponsor of the show. We'll talk about that patio furniture coming up in a moment or two. Uh, minus 12, that's our Twin City temperature reading. I'll tell you what, before we break, James in St. Paul uh, is waiting to ask a question. Go ahead, James. Thank you. Yes, uh, I've got a buck, buckthorn uh, bush that I cut down as far as I could, and I put uh, Roundup on it, and then I covered it with black uh, paper, or not paper, but uh, plastic stuff. And I'm just wondering, I want to get it totally gone uh, do I have to dig it up after the ground thaws, or what can I do to totally get rid of it? If it's, uh, yeah, if you can dig it out, that's the best way to do it. But sometimes the trunks are just huge, and it's kind of a, a really difficult process. But you did the right thing. You cut it down. You treated it. Um, you might want to treat it, might want to look at um, using a, a, a specific formulation of Roundup for shrubs or for brush, um, the, that will be a little bit different formulation and more suitable to the woody plants. But yeah, if you can dig out the stump, that's great. But if not, just keep treating it. It's going to take several uh, applications of that. That buckthorn is tough stuff. It's tough stuff. You know, something happens, it's going to be buckthorn and zebra mussels and David, you have foil. a question? Well, yeah. So I, I also have buckthorn in my backyard, a huge one I cut down. And my strategy was just to cut it level with the ground and then just keep mowing over it. Is that going to work or what's going to happen? If, is it going to keep coming up or it's, what's going to happen? It's probably – I would treat it and then keep mowing over it sure. if you're going to do that. Because um, the problem is is that it's going to keep putting up suckers from there. It's a pretty resilient plant. It really is. Yeah, so you, you can keep doing what you're doing but treat it with a concentration that's sure. appropriate for woody plants. All right. And like your other caller asked, can I do that now over the snow, or should no, I wait? No, <laughs> there's a there's a temperature requirement. Don't spray. Minus Don't twelve spray. is too cold for anything right. in the garden. Right. <laughs> Best to stay indoors. All right, all right, you guys, let's uh, take a quick break here. We have more show to come. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six, or send Julie a text eight one eight zero seven. Yep, it's twelve below zero. Wind chill of minus twenty five. Dew point sixteen below, and we'll be right back. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on A3OWCCO. Denny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota Extension. Good morning. Good morning. We have callers, Julie. We have a lot of texters. Yeah. But let's talk to Joan and Edina, then we'll get back to the text screen. Uh, Joan, uh, what's your question, Joan, for Julie? Okay. I, I have cyclone plants, and I put yes. two of them under my grow lights, and the leaves have started to turn curl under. And I treat them the same as I do when they're in re- regular daylight. Um, so have you tried taking them out from under the grow lights to see if that changes? Oh, yes, I did. And they still... They're, they're still curled under? They're still curled under. Hmm. And I've had them cyclones for, for many years as sure. houseplants. And sure. that's the first time that's happened. Um, is And they're both doing it equally. Yes. Have you looked underneath the leaves to see if there's any kind of pests? Yeah, there's no bug. Uh, That's good. That's good. Um, 
they're voracious. Water, they love water. Yeah, yeah. Are they? Are the leaves staying dark green, or are they turning yellow no, at all? No, they're dark green. Okay. Uh, they look uh, appearance-wise, they look fine. It's just that they're the leaves are curling under. Are they by any kind of a draft or a heater or anything like that? No. Hmm. I just uh, this never happened before. I just I didn't know what. Yeah. Sometimes plants will react to change in light by changing their leaves, but curling under, I'm, I, I'm assuming that the leaves are cupping backwards, correct? Yes. Okay. So um, I, that I, what I'm going to ask you to do is, do you have access to a computer at home? No, I don't. Okay. My son does. Okay. I, I, okay. I wonder if he could take a photo of it and send it to Ask Extension. Go on our garden webpage and email it in. Okay. That would really be great. And then we can actually look at that. I think that's something that we want to actually take a, you know, have a a visual of. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for your help. You're welcome. Very good. We'll watch for that. Yes. Thanks, Joan, for the uh, call. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you want to send uh, Julie a text, 81807. Here's one that came in a bit earlier. How do I become a master gardener? Oh, good question. So the master gardeners are volunteers of Extension, of University of Minnesota Extension. We have about just under 2,500 people around the state. And uh, you would apply to your county Extension office, and they uh, there's a little bit of an application process and then an interview process in most cases. Sometimes it's a formal interview with uh, a group of volunteers. Sometimes it's a little less formal, maybe a phone interview. Depends where you live. And uh, if you're accepted into the program, you go through uh, the core course. There's a fee associated with that. Um, I'm not sure how much it is. I want to say 390 bucks or something. Um, if that's a hardship, you can contact the Master Gardener State Office to talk to them about how to alleviate that hardship. And uh, you go through the 48 hours. I'm one of the instructors. I teach the herbaceous plants, which are our perennials and annuals section, also trees and shrubs, and also the indoor plants. So uh, I will be, uh, I teach about, each of those sessions is about three hours long. And we cover all sorts of topics from soils all the way to uh, entomology, which is insects, and pathology, which is diseases, along with trees and shrubs and flowers and you name it, fruits and vegetables. And uh, once you have completed that, then uh, you are considered an intern in your county and you work with your county uh, other volunteers and you're sometimes matched up with a mentor and you start volunteering. And you can volunteer in all sorts of different ways. So whatever your favorite thing to do in a garden, if you like community gardens, if you like working with youth, if you like uh, teaching seniors, if you like uh, making presentations or writing just about anything you like to do as a gardener is available as a volunteer activity somewhere in your county. And, and all of those filter through your extension office. So you don't have to go out looking for any kind of volunteer activity. Sometimes people come forward with things maybe from their church or their kid's school, and you just check with your, uh, your coordinator or local leader, and they'll help you sort through that. So once you've completed 50 hours that first year, then you're a certified master gardener, and it's 25 hours of volunteering the, uh, from that time on, along with a little bit of continuing education hours. So right. it's, I was a master gardener for 10 years. I was active in Hennepin County and uh, before I was a state director, and that was an awesome, awesome experience, really fun. And I personally like teaching master gardeners, which – 
now I do that. So you do it. <laughs> it's all working. <laughs> and, and your mom started this whole thing, didn't My she? My mom started the whole thing. She started, uh, she actually uh, was going to take the Carleton County class. And after being in the class the first morning, she decided she couldn't dedicate the volunteer hours. She and my dad were running a business up there. Ah. And so she, uh, but she said to me, you should become a master gardener. And I had But she used, got your, you interested in the yeah, whole horticulture Yeah, she did. Thing. Yep, yep. Kind of uh, in a really subtle way. <laughs> <laughs> no hammer. She really made it fun. And <laughs> oh, our yard that I grew up in was wide open, you know, for picking flowers and digging in the soil and climbing the trees and everything. And I think that's one of the keys to getting kids interested in, in the outdoors and horticulture is, yeah. is let them do what they do. The plants will grow back <laughs> no matter what. Let so, them have fun. Yeah, let them have fun. That's what it's all about. All right, Julie. I'll tell you what, let's take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go, so don't go away. If you want to call Julie, you can do it at 651-989-9226 or send a text. And we'll get back to, to a bunch of text messages as well. That number is 81807. We'll have a look at that forecast coming up. I can tell you it's 12 below zero. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show, brought to us every week by our friends at By the Yard Patio Furniture down there in Jordan, Minnesota. We'll talk about that again. Of course, we thank them for that. If you And we thank you for listening. Julie Weisenhorn back in studio. And Julie, as you can see, a lot of text messages. We, People like we figured text in the cold. When it's cold, they want to just uh, let their fingers do the typing <laughs> and, and not uh, have to go outside to make a call. I'm not sure why. But uh, but why don't, why don't we grab a, a text uh, or good. a bunch? Yeah. Uh, you can go lead off and I'll let you uh, okay. do your thing there. Uh, here's a question about houseplants. We have a lot of houseplant questions. Uh, how often should houseplants be transplanted? And, uh, well, it depends on the houseplant. And in this particular case, the texter said she transplanted some houseplants last summer, and she also killed her ivy plants. Uh, they are starting to come back. Should I cut them back now? Um, I'm not sure if she's talking about outdoor ivy or indoor ivy, but they wouldn't be coming back right now if they were outdoor. But uh, I wouldn't cut anything back at this point, indoor or outdoor, because it's it's too cold to be outside. And also your houseplants... Unless they are really, really getting gangly, like a say a pothos vine or something, you could trim those back. And you want to trim just uh, just to uh, this side or or the the far side of a, a a leaf where a leaf attaches, and that will allow or prompt that plant to put out more growth at that point in probably multiple stems. So that's a good thing to do, particularly with ivy. My house faces the full sun all day. What low-maintenance flower can I plant? Here's a planter. This person's planning ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I plant in my sunny flower bed in the summer that will bloom all summer? I have, uh, looks like, about six-plus hours of sun in this area. You have a ton of options. Um, now, with a window box, I think, is it a window box? Well, no, sunny flower bed, so it's in the ground. Um, th- there's a a lot of different options. There's cosmos and zinnias and snapdragons and all sorts of annual flowers that you can plant in that bed. And they'll, as long as you deadhead them, meaning that you take off the spent blooms, they will bloom for you throughout the summer. And zinnias in particular bloom quite a ways into the fall because they're pretty tough plants. They're tolerant of a little bit of colder temperatures. But I would mix them. I wouldn't just pick one plant. I would look at um, the bloom times of different plants and pick some that bloom really early in the spring and then keep adding to it so that you have a nice diversity of flowers. Also look for plants that are beneficial for pollinators, things that attract bees 
and butterflies and other insects because that is going to increase the health of your landscape. If you have fruit trees or vegetable, a vegetable garden, that attracts those pollinators, which are important to uh, uh, seed and fruit production. So take a look at that. Look at a catalog. Sit down with a, a nice hot cup of tea today and pull out a catalog and just start reading about those and make some notes about plants that you like. Doesn't and, that sound good? Yeah, it's great. Or visit your garden center in yeah. May. Um, that's a good time to start looking at what they have for annuals, and they'll have a ton of stuff in there. So there you can actually see what they, the plant looks like, if you, unless you want to start with seeds, and then you could look at um, your catalogs now. If you want to call Julie and ask your lawn or garden question by phone, we have an open line for you, 651-989-9226. Or again, like a lot of folks are doing, send a text to Julie at 81. 81- 807. Yeah. So how often should I fertilize in the winter? This person uh, identifies fish emulsion as their fertilizer. About if, if the plant is actively growing, you want to fertilize every time you water with about half strength. And uh, it, if you fertilize with full strength, it's almost too much for the plant. You can accumulate a lot of fertilizer salts on your, on your uh, plant soil, and sometimes it can cause root burn. Um, the fish emulsion won't. But about half strength of the recommendation. Read the label, follow the label, mix it accordingly. Um, I keep an old set of of measuring spoons that are just designated for plants. I keep those in my green room, and uh, and I just you know I use those only for measuring whatever it is I need to measure for plants. So fertilizer in that particular case. Eight one eight zero seven. I was thinking, Julie, that as you know, every week we get just a ton of text messages, and for those that maybe can't. Or maybe thinking about it, a question later, can they not go on the website and ask yeah, a question? Yeah, absolutely. Our website is at extension.umn.edu. Click on the Garden tab, go to Yard and Garden, and we've got all sorts of publications. We have diagnostic tools for pests. We also have Ask Extension. And if you don't get your question answered today or if you have a question during the week, you can email in up to three photographs, and you can email that, and it comes to a group of master gardeners. I'm also on that group, as well as Jackie Freming, who's up in Brainerd. And uh, and you can go ahead and uh, we'll answer your question for you via email at that point. I think there was a text earlier, was there not, about the soil testing? Yeah, and the U of M has a great soil testing lab. And if you can get, well, right now your soil <laughs> no, is frozen. Yes, you yes. would need a pickaxe to get your soil out. But as soon as you can work that soil, go on the website. They have great instructions about how to take a soil sample, how to submit it. There's a form to fill out. It's about 17 bucks, and uh, and you'll get your response back depending on the amount of traffic they have going through that that lab uh, at the time. But it takes about a week, maybe two weeks to do, and then you'll get a wealth of information about your soil. It's a really good thing to do if you haven't done it ever mm-hmm. or if it's been about five years since you did it or if you're that. changing something like you're going from lawn to a vegetable garden or lawn to a flower bed or something like that. Excellent. Speaking of soil, somebody wants to know what's the good kind of soil for succulents. Yeah, succulents are like little, uh, we kind of think of them as little cacti. They're not Mm -hmm. really cacti, but they're often planted with them. So a cactus soil is a good choice for that. It's well-drained, and that's the key for succulents is that that they have good drainage in the soil. uh, Contrary to kind of our, you know, belief is succulents really don't need a lot of water. They're, you know, they're kind of meaty leaves and stems. And the way to tell if they need water is to feel the leaves. And if the leaves are soft, if they're kind of flexible and soft, then they need to be watered. But if they're firm, just back off. 
All right. The watering can. <laughs> Call us, 651-989-9226, or send a text, 81807. Yeah, a lavender plant that we overwatered, and it turned a grayish color and is somewhat brittle. Will it come back? Oh, boy. The best way to tell uh, if you've really overwatered it is to actually take it out of the pot and look at the roots. It may need some transplanting if it's been in the pot for a long time. If it's sitting in, uh, if the leaves have fallen off of it and it's just kind of a bunch of sticks, might be far gone. However, uh, I would still, if if the branches are still a little bit flexible and they don't just snap off, then there may still be some green tissue in there. And I would put it in a sunny window and I would feel the soil, make sure the pot drains well, and I would see if it pops out any new leaves. All right. Very good. Why not try it, right? It was, you bet. Line is open at 651-989-9226. Julie, let's go back to the phones. Barbara is calling from Minneapolis. Barbara, you're on with Julie. Hi. I got a couple questions. Okay. Uh, one is about watering for your house plants. I was told if you let the water stand a few days with the top off, that that get rid, gets rid of some of the chemicals and it's safer for the plants. It, get rid, it gets rid of chlorine. chlorine That's will, the only one? Yeah, chlorine will convert to a gas over, oh, okay. uh, over 24 hours. Okay. My other thing is about the house plants, or I mean the garden plant yep. in sun. I used canna lilies last oh, year. Oh, they're and, lovely. And I got more compliments on mm-hmm. it. I had them in the front of the yard at a house, and they were yellow ones and burnt orange Beautiful. with yellow. And you can use them year after year. They aren't bad to dig up in the fall. They aren't that deep. Yeah, mine are sitting in my garage right now in yeah, buckets. Yeah, they look tropical. They're, they're very pretty. It's mm-hmm. a different kind of a plant for sun if they wanted that for suggestion. Well, that is a great suggestion, Barbara, because they, they all, almost offer an annual shrub-like appearance. Cause what, what is so that plant? Big, a canna plant. It's canna. a it's a, a, a tuber that is planted um, kind of a it's big root. And you can, as Barbara mentioned, you can dig it up and keep it from year to year mm. and transplant it. That's kind of neat. The one thing about those is I often am too late in transplanting mine, so I would recommend that in February you get them into a pot and you get them in a sunny window and start watering them so that by the time they're ready to go out in May, they're pretty good size. Maybe February might be a little early. March might be better, but depends on your space. All right, can we grab another? Do you have any other questions? Oh, I thought that was two. Did, did we get it? Your questions answered, Barbara. Oh, I have one more, but that's oh. okay. No, <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. What is your question? I want. I saw a beautiful hydrangea last year. It was pink and kind of cone-shaped flower. Yes. I don't know which one that was, but would that be all right in sun, or do they they take more shade? Don't they? That's probably a hydrangea paniculata. So it's a panicle hydrangea. It's kind of a triangular shape. Oh, it was shape. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I love that kind. That's a great species of hydrangea, and we have some gorgeous hydrangeas. They've just exploded on the market. Well, that, that would be a good full sun plant. It's what? It would be, it would be a very good full sun plant. It needs a well, lot of space, probably. Yeah. Okay, I got just the spot. All Excellent. Right. Yeah, Thanks, planning Barbara. ahead. Here we go. Thank you, Barbara. <laughs> when it's minus 12, think yes. of spring. <laughs> Color, yes. Fair skies 12 below zero in the Twin Cities. Tell you what, Julie, let's take our usual break here. And when we come back, uh, we'll pick up on more text messages, or you may call Julie if you like, 651-989-9226. Or again, send a text, 81807. We might hit uh, near four above for a high today. Right now, it's 12 below zero wind chill, a minus 26. Good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our Smart Garden Show. Danny, along with Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. You and I were talking about New Year's resolutions yeah. before uh, we came back here. I like to and, call them plans. Yeah, but but that's not personal ones. Not, well, not personal, but I mean as related to garden. Yeah, gardening. Yeah. You have some? 
Uh, well, I do. I do. I have um, every year I have resolutions. I keep a notebook and I write stuff down about what I did last year so I can actually remember. Oh, sure. And uh, and thoughts about what I might do this year coming up. So, I mean, one of the things I have to do is I have to uh, I have to thin out some of my native plants that are in my rain garden. I have to move them. I'm going to move them to the backyard now into a sunny location back there. Um, I also have some self-heal seeds that I bought, which is a low-growing plant that we are recommending for bee lawns. Mm. And Carl, cover your ears. I'm going to put them in our lawn. <laughs> it's mowable. <laughs> oh, it is? <laughs> yeah, it's mowable. And it blooms little tiny purple flowers and oh. white flowers. And So we're going to have a bee lawn. So that's yeah, it. We already have the fine fescues in there that Sam recommends. So I overseeded with that. So we're gonna sneak. I'm gonna sneak that in when Carl's not looking. Okay. Is there anything? <laughs> and now he knows. <laughs> yes. It's too late. The word is out. No secrets. Yeah, here. but we have a we have a post on our um, coming up this week on our yard and garden news blog, which is accessible through our website. Okay. At extension.umn.edu, click on the garden tab, or you can just Google U of M Yard and Garden News. And uh, our communication specialist, Gail Hudson, is going to be putting up videos of Sam and me and other people in our team talking about their New Year's resolutions uh-huh. and some suggestions for gardeners going into 2018. What a great idea. Yeah, so go to that Yard and Garden News blog. It's, it's out there and, and, uh, and watch us. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. We, we may be, you may be Do having you have a, any gardening resolutions? Um, I think. Keep, keep things alive? Keep things alive. Keep your Boxwoods looking good. Yeah, that's my big project because mm-hmm. I planted twelve of them. Wow! And uh, and I know they're slow growing, so I, somebody <laughs> will have to tell me in the afterlife because <laughs> they're because they're really slow growing. But they're I'm very our... anxious to because I did modify the soil, amend. I guess is your term, mm-hmm. right? To the yeah, soil to yeah. make it some good stuff. So let's see what happens. That's great. They're yeah. a they're a broadleaf evergreen. Yeah, I love the shape yeah. of them. Yeah, they're, just, they're uh, really beautiful plants. And maybe a hedge someday. You never know. <laughs> 651-989-9226. Julie, find us a uh, text message or two before we get back oh, to the phone. Oh, let's phones. see. Um, ooh, my jade trees have a white powdery junk on their leaves. I had them outside this summer and brought them in this fall. What can I do? First, got to find out what that powdery junk is. Is it powdery mildew? Is it uh, mealybugs? Is it scale, uh, cottony scale? So having it identified, first of all, is important. And I would. this is a great opportunity to take a photograph, make it really clear, you know, shoot a nice clear couple photographs, and email it in to Ask Extension. And that's accessible on our garden site at extension.umn.edu. Click on the Garden tab, go to Yard and Garden, and then scroll down to Ask Extension, and you'll find um, a form there that you can, really short form, and you can put in some text. And it comes to me. It comes to Master Gardeners. We've got a team of us that are fielding and, and kind of uh, working on those uh, questions. So that's a great opportunity. Good. We might be able to tell you what it is. Excellent. Back to the phones we go, Julie. Jim is calling from Wilmer with a question. Jim, you're on CCO with Julie. Yeah, see, I have, we bought a house recently, and it has vines. Yes. Everywhere on the backyard. Looks like someone planted them years ago. Kind of grows up the house, but it also grows up trees. Oh, like right. Black walnut tree, and it goes probably 40 feet up. Okay. Um, and it's like, it just, like, overtakes the fence. Yeah. I mean, should I trim that, or what should we do with that? You can do pretty much whatever you want to that vine at this point. If you, if you, I would take it out of the tree for sure, because sometimes they can choke out. Uh, they can shade the leaves, you know, the branches from producing leaves. They can choke out. Uh, some new growth. So you want to take them out of the tree. 
Um, Fences, if you want to hide the fence, I would just trim it back in the spring, you know, just give it a shape. Cut. You can probably, it sounds like a pretty prolific vine. It might be Virginia creeper. It might be a Boston ivy. Uh, If it's climbing up the side of your house and has little suction cup-like attachments, that would probably be Boston ivy. Some some of the vines are like the size of your thumb. Oh, yeah. Real thick. Real Mm -hmm. thick and... Sure. You'll need a good sharp lopper for that. And some of them can yeah. be pretty aggressive, can't they? Yeah, they can. Uh, they can really take over. And um, but but you know, really tough plants like that, you can prune them back sure. down to the ground, probably, and and just kind of start over with them if you don't like the way they look. But get them off the tree. Yeah, and also if you're trying to get rid of those vines, if you want to get them off of the tree, then you can treat just the stump of that vine with a stump killer. Oh, okay. Very good. Some yeah, ideas start there. Start it going, yeah. For you, Jim. Thank you. John is calling from St. Paul with a question. John, you're on uh, with uh, Julie, John. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got an elm tree in my backyard in St. Paul. I don't know what kind it is, um, but it's about 30 feet tall. And every year I get these warts or bumps on the leaves. Oh, and sure. The leaves are, are green. I don't know what that is, if I should be treating that at all. So those are called galls. G-A-L-L-S, and they're uh, created by, oh, sometimes by insects feeding, and they're harmless. They're just a weird uh, response of the plant to that insect feeding. There's nothing to do. You can't spray for it. Uh, Just kind of leave it. It's, you know, nothing to worry about. Okay. Thanks. Very good. Thank you for the call. I think there's time for uh, a couple more texts before okay, we have to break. Let's see. Mm-hmm. See what you can find mm-hmm. for us there and then uh, we'll Oh, uh, let's see what we got up here. Got a lot of them. Uh wow. <laughs> it grew. Yeah. I have, Let's see. What should I do to get my violet and Christmas cactus to bloom? Oh, good. Well, this is a great opportunity to go to our website. Uh Christmas cacti respond to a uh, short day. Uh in other words, the days that, as our days get shorter, that's when they start to set bud. So they're called a photoperiod plant. They also respond to temperature, and they like a cooler temperature. So if you've got it in a room that's 72 degrees, take it out of that room, put it in a cooler location. Uh, they don't really like days uh, higher or daytime temperatures higher than may, maybe 70 or 65 and then uh, they like cooler night temperatures. So temperature and light are the two ways that you, um, by dropping the temperature and by uh, uh, mm-hmm. just through the days, the daylight getting shorter, those are the two ways. That's how you can regulate that blooming. As far as the violets, they'll probably, they're more of a plant for outdoors. I'm not sure. I think maybe you mean it might be a pansy. But um, that would be something that you'd put outside in the spring, and then it should start to bloom. Somebody wants you to repeat that uh, that bee lawn plant thing that, oh. that Carl is now hearing about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see. I've got a text message here. <laughs> um, it's called self heal, and some of the some of the plants that we're recommending for bee lawns, white clover is one of the best. It it provides a lot of nectar and pollen for bees, and then and it also is mowable. So if you have a lot of clover, um, you know, not a bad idea to leave it there. Self heal is another one. Prunella is the genus. And that is a uh, a low-growing plant that tolerates mowing as well. And it has little purple flowers on it. It's not Creeping Charlie. It's not. not Creeping Charlie. Um, there's a little question about how tolerant it is of our cold temperatures, but it's pretty good. So uh, we, have a good um, we have some good bee lawn information also on our uh, extension site.
Let's see if we can't fit in one or two more uh, in, the, in the next uh, two minutes. That's about all we have left. Yeah. Yeah. How do you keep a Norfolk pine from losing its lower branches when you have it in the house? We just had this question uh, this week. So a Norfolk pine likes bright, sunny light. It likes to be evenly moist in the soil. And uh, what will happen is as it gets bigger in your house, as some of you know from having these plants, is it will start to turn and, and move toward the light, which plants do. So you want to keep turning the plant. And when it starts to drop lower branches, it's often due to a low humidity, real dry houses, that, that sometimes will happen. And, uh, or it might be also poor drainage in your, in your soil, so in the pot. So make sure that you're watering it regularly, that the pot drains well. It's in a bright window. And uh, if you can add a humidifier near it, that would be awesome. And it, text, it likes humidity. Texter wants to know, Julie, before we go on, how do you get a, a, a Boston Ivy to grow on a cyclone fence? What's the process? Uh, just Well, Boston mm-hmm. Ivy grow, I would recommend a Virginia creeper instead of Boston Ivy. Oh, okay. Uh, Virginia creeper, work. Uh, they grow with tendrils uh, where they circle around and, and wrap around mm-hmm. fences. Boston Ivy need to have some flat surface to attach to. They have little suction cups oh, yeah, that that's they attach right. to. So I wouldn't go with Boston Ivy. I'd go with Virginia creeper. Native plant. All right. Again, in the remaining seconds that we have, uh, Julie, for those folks that maybe have never gone on the website at the oh, UMN, yeah. that's a great website. Yeah, extension.umn.edu. Click on the Garden tab. Go to Yard and Garden. You can also just Google Yard and Garden U of M. And there we are. We have Publications, Diagnostic mm-hmm. Tools, Ask Extension. And for those of you that don't know that uh, Julie plays in a group called the Abiders, <laughs> their next gig is when? Uh, January 27th at Billy's in Rockford on Highway 55. All right, very good. Me and the boys. Who's going to be here next week? You or uh, uh, Teresa? Teresa, Teresa I think Teresa next is here week. next week. All right. Well, have a good uh, couple of weeks, Julie. Yeah. Yep, Thanks we'll so see much. You soon. Very good. Stay tuned next for a news break here on CCO, and then get those home improvement questions ready. Andy Lindison Studio next hour. Fair skies, CCO temperature hitting twelve below zero. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.